0: Welcome to the For Love and Money podcast, the show where business and social purpose meet to inspire a movement for positive change. Here's your host, Carolyn Butler-Madden.
1: I'm super excited to introduce my guest today, Nina mapson bone Nina is a managing director of Beaumont People. They're a specialised recruitment business that truly believes in placing people first. She's also president of the RCSA, the Recruitment Consulting and Staffing Association of Australia and New Zealand, and she's chair of the Development Committee for the North Foundation, a charity which supports innovation in health research and patient care. Nina helps business leaders with their people problems and delights in bringing talented people together to drive value, build vision and realise opportunities. Welcome Nina. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast.
0: And I'm very, very excited to be here.
1: And wonderful to have you. So before we get into the story of Beaumont people, can I ask you a couple of general questions? The first is: what does purpose in business mean to you? And what do you think is the role of love in business, if any? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, for me personally, um my my personal purpose in business is about um the right people in the right jobs. Everything I've ever done is about it's been about having the right people in the right jobs. And um I'm sure in a moment I'll talk about Beaumont people's specific defined purpose, but but that's always been my vision. In fact, I sort of fell into recruitment because I actually didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew that it was a skill set that I might be quite good at. And I discovered that spending my life helping other people to discover what they were good at was really purposeful for me. So that um, that's, I guess, my own... Purpose, if you like, and
1: I've got. There was a part two of the question, Carolyn, which I've forgotten already. And 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 I'll repeat that. And yeah, I, it's funny how we how we fall into things accidentally. So I'm I'm keen to explore that as well. The second part of the question is the role of love in business. Do you think there's a role for love? Yes, absolutely. I like,
0: you know, I'm depending on your various personal beliefs. I'm an atheist right? So I have a view that you're a long time dead, and there ain't much going on. <laughs> And so I've always figured that we may as well have, um, you know, uh, as much fun as we can, create as much good in the world as we can, and, and I'm not afraid to say it, you know, make money while we're doing it. But, 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 but creating love and having fun in the world, and as long as you're not ever doing anything that deliberately hurts another human being, Pull your boots, I say, you know, why not do the things you love? And it doesn't matter what that is. It should be, I'm, I'm totally down with people doing whatever they want to do as long as it doesn't hurt another human being. So I'm a big believer in love in the world and I'm a massive believer in how much work has to impact that. And we spend an awful lot of time of our lives at work. So we should love what we do and we should do
1: something that we're passionate about, something that we get a kick out of doing. Hooray to that. You're on the right podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah fantastic and yet, cause no harm and enjoy your life and have fun and spread the love fantastic Um, so can you share um, for you Nina a bit of your background and your path to becoming managing director at Beaumont People yes I'll try and squeeze it into a you know shortish time frame so go for as long as you like (laughs)
0: I want to share something quite personal that's actually worth sharing, a big impact on on who I became. I saw both of my parents lose their jobs in the recession of the early 90s, and they both had um, quite significantly um, kind of high-level career jobs at that point, and they both ultimately ended up um, having jobs that that wouldn't be in that category. And I saw the impact that that had, and and not that there was anything wrong. In fact, my, my dad was actually much happier as a taxi driver than he ever was in advertising, for example. So... Uh, it's no judgment on the job itself, but I did see that the impact having a good job and having a kind of a feeling of association with the job, the impact that can have on you and therefore your family and those around you. So it was always very important to me to try and ensure that I could do what I could to make sure I didn't have those situations happen to myself. So that's been a big driver for me yep. through my life. Um, and uh, I've always been good at sales so even while I was through university I used to do door-to-door sales commission only I used to travel to the states to knock on doors in America and sell aerial. Wow sales. really? So spent and I, I actually ended up working for that company for a number of years um, and at a very young age I, I just sort of stayed with them after I graduated at a very young age became one of their national sales manager and um, was had really good training it was a really well-structured training program that really stood me in good stead for the rest of my business life. I had no idea at the time how impactful it was going to be, um, and probably was nowhere near as grateful as I should have been for, for the things that they taught me. But the skills I learned in that in that environment really set me up for a business career, in a way. How old, how old were you at that time? I started with them when I was 19, and I left with them when I was about 23. So, Four or yeah, right. five years with them, um, and uh, yeah, and left and did a couple of years in conferencing, And then I met my now husband, who had always planned to come to Australia, Um, and one of the first things he said to me was that he was moving to Australia, and about a year later I found myself in Australia with him. So uh, we were here post-Olympics in Sydney, looking for jobs, not really knowing what to do, and I knew a number of people had gone into recruitment, and I felt like I had some of the skill set to do it, and I knew I could get sponsored in it. So... It, you know it wasn't it wasn't completely accidental in that I did target it, but it was sort of more meeting a specific need at the time. Yeah, so yep. I got into recruitment, worked for a small company and um, for a year. The owner of which is still a mentor and a really dear friend of mine. In fact, is how I ended up at Beaumont people, so I'll share that story in a moment, but fantastic. <laughs> she sold the business and then the business changed. So then I went on to a big corporate recruitment company, big American International spent five years there, very different culture. Very different style. Learned lots of different ways of doing things, and you know, through a couple of iterations of different recruitment roles, and um, and then nearly six years ago now, Nikki Beaumont, founder of Beaumont People, rang me out of the blue on a Sunday afternoon um, on my mobile. Now I've known Nikki for a number of years, but I didn't know her well. She's the kind of person that I knew to say hello to at a networking event, but we'd never sat down and, and had coffee. So quite why she was ringing me on a Sunday afternoon on my mobile, or how she had
1: my number, was beyond me. And uh, Well, you must have done something to impress her.
0: She said, you know, would you like to run the business for me? And I was kind of like, um, and I was really happy in the job I was doing at the time. I didn't have any intention um, of leaving. So um, anyway, I said no initially and, you know, and then various things happened. And over the course of quite some time, I ended up um, picking that conversation up from some personal things and some work things that happened uh, previously. And, And I joined here nearly six years ago. Best decision I've ever made and it turns out that my first ever boss was the person that told Nikki she should call me for the job so that's uh, right okay circle so yes yeah, so I've been here for it be six years in August that I've been here
1: fantastic um yeah look that's it's interesting isn't it how um where you end up and where you feel you belong isn't necessarily the thing that is driving your passion to begin with
0: oh yeah and I think it's really interesting that, you know, we've done a lot of research. And I'm sure we'll talk about this in a moment. We've done a lot of research into meaningful work and what is meaningful work. One of the things is that it really does change over time. And I've absolutely seen that in my own career. But some, it's a bit like, you know, when you, you do the business diagrams, the values are the same and then the culture and then, the you know, it's a bit like that. There'll be certain aspects that are never change that are core to you, but some of the kind of outer layers might change over time. So it's how you make sure that all of that is integrated as you go through your career and kind of adapt the bits around the edges that keep the core true to your own values.
1: And and the experience you've had as well, going from a smaller recruitment agency to a big corporate one, that, I mean, that must have really helped shape how you wanted to move forward in your yeah, career.
0: The thing is, I was never entirely sure which suited me best, because I liked the aspects of both. Um, and what's interesting with Beaumont, we're mid-sized now, about 40-something people, and I think I've found the right <laughs> size for me. I like, with the small, the very the first company I started with, it was literally maybe seven or eight people, very small. And then I had two big corporates, and I also worked for the University of Sydney for a while, which is 1,600 employees, so it's cool. really big names. Um, and I like the structure, and I like the training, and I like the career elements. And, you know, there's a lot that I liked about the big corporates. I stayed two that I worked for, I with both of them for five years. So it certainly wasn't that I that it wasn't right for me, but there were always aspects to it that weren't quite suited to me personally. Nothing wrong with them, but just not suited to my personal definition of, of meaningful work. So it's been great to sort of land in a
1: place where actually all of those things come together. And where you can bring the good things that you've experienced from the previous companies as well. And that's the joy. That's the absolute joy here. And it, I mean, it's a
0: privilege of the position I'm in is that, you know, you do get to shape and influence a bit more than in other positions obviously, but you know what we try and do here is bring um, structure and the rigour and the support of the large organisations but with the flexibility and the agility and the creativity of the smaller organisations and so far we've been able to blend the two really well so that's our mission is not to let either one
1: of those fall at any point. Fantastic, so let's get into Beaumont People's purpose, why does Beaumont People exist, what's your higher purpose? So
0: we exist to create more opportunities to connect individuals to organisations that will create meaningful work. We're all about meaningful work. You know, we're, we're a recruitment agency that finds candidates' jobs. Um, and we have a consulting arm that helps uh, with co- coaching, career coaching, professional development, that side of things. But everything we do is with the aim
1: of making work a more meaningful experience to people. Fantastic, and and full disclosure, we we worked uh, two or three years together, and went on that journey together. And when we landed on on meaningful work, it, it was it was that aha moment because it really seemed to well, it came from a truth. It it was what you it was what you cared about. It was true to who you were already. You just hadn't articulated it, had you? you
0: changed our lives, Karen. And I tell people all the time that you changed our. <laughs> Because we knew it and we were trying to say it and we just couldn't find the right words to pull it all together. So so this concept of meaningful work has really helped us put it together. And it's actually kick-started us on a journey. We did a whole heap of research into meaningful work off the back of it. And we couldn't believe that there had been no research ever done into meaningful work just for Australia alone. And there'd been no research anywhere in the world that looked at both the psychological and the sociological perspective of meaningful work and both have an impact. So we undertook that research. We're in the process of building a tool to, to define and measure meaningful work. So it set us on a whole, a
1: whole journey that we're really excited about. We're very close to releasing the tool as well now. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I, I look forward to hearing more about that. Um, but it, I mean, when when I met you and Nikki, um, and, and this is still totally a, you know, core to who you are, um, the, the line that came through was placing people first and the minute you walk into Beaumont People's Reception, the minute you meet you and you meet Nikki and you meet everybody else, you, you can just feel it. It is such a people business and it, you feel it. So So that truth was already there. Um, and and I know there were some stories, um, you know, from the beginning when Nikki founded Beaumont People, which really reinforced that. Are you able to share any of those?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the things that really attracted me to to joining Beaumont in the first place. Um, as I say, when I kind of came back to Nikki to have further conversations with her, I Nikki had set up the business initially um, in two thousand and two, I think it was, um, as a, a standard recruitment business, a commercial recruitment business, and it was going great guns. And then the GFC. Hit. and Nikki for those of you that have met her or would Nikki has got one of the biggest hearts in a person that you could ever meet she's one of the most generous souls that you could ever hope to come across and she had a view that she did not want to um, lose her people through the GFC she wanted to look after the people that had looked after the business until that point she's also been uh, all through her life she's always been very philanthropic in terms of her approach and so she was trying to work out, well, was there a way that maybe they could do something with charities to, to sort of solve both those problems as the GFC hit? Um, and part of what she was looking to do really, honestly, was actually just to keep her team busy so that they wouldn't get kind of bored and frustrated and, and impacted emotionally as much by the GFC. She, her view was that she could keep them busy, they'd stay motivated. And then as business came back, they'd be more quickly able to kind of, um, you know, get back in into the swing of things. So, um so she established the charity division of Beaumont People, which actually runs as a not-for-profit itself. So she at first she was going to do it pro bono, and after some feedback from charities who actually said no, we don't want it pro bono, because if we want to use a recruiter, we want to be able to say if you're doing a good job or not. We, you know, lots of charities have lots of experience with volunteers and sometimes it's easier if you're paying for a service to demand certain quality. So um, but that's why it established as a, as a not-for-profit. So we built the recruitment team and the charity division as an app cost and literally started out with one or two people. Um, and you can imagine initially the conversations around, no, no, we're happy to do it. And people would say, really, that's the fee. We're like, yep. And they couldn't quite work out why we were doing it. Um, but it's been, it, it was done to keep the team busy and to give back. It has been strategically the best decision the business ever made. I mean, it's been phenomenal. So, so the, the, idea was not for it to help grow and drive the business but it has as a result so what's happened consequently that part of the business has bloomed but also every other part of the business loves so much what we do in that space that it's actually had a really positive impact on the rest of the business as well and it's part of what's helped build our our community and that placing people first mentality and we really have a very strong community approach in what we do we're very um, relationship driven, I'm glad you said that you feel it in the people when you come in, you know, our, our goal is to make sure that everyone we connect with feels that feels special, feels, you know, listened to, feels heard and that we try and actually have a positive impact contribution is one of our core pillars, we want to contribute and give back to the people we're working with, so that not-for-profit piece has just really skyrocketed and really helped um, the whole business and
1: it, it, it appeals to everyone in the business regardless of whether they're on the charity team or not Absolutely. And it's such a powerful story because, I mean, that was, that was what, 2008, 2009. So that, that shows how um, Beaumont people's purpose then, which was, you know, placing people first, putting people first, prioritizing people and your people led the decisions and drove innovation in a way by thinking differently and going, okay, let's do it as a not for profit. So I think that's an incredibly powerful story, because the alternative would have been to be driven by profit and to cut. And you know, the consequences of that you lose good people, you've got to hire again, when it picks up, that takes time, it makes you less competitive. So by leading with your purpose as was your purpose then it it put you in a in a really good position for the future
0: absolutely and it it really helped us reputationally it helped us commercially um, and it helped us culturally you know it really helped to kind of build a really strong culture
1: yeah yeah really really strong and so so with um meaningful work that's that's really become an evolution i mean placing people first is still the heart and soul of your business but it's in service to creating meaningful work opportunities between people and companies, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, we still, placing people first is still, uh, you know, in our vocabulary and it's still very much, we have a, a diagram that looks like the building of a house and the, you know, the foundations and right at the top is meaningful work. So we talk about the foundations being the foundations, the, the, the private rooms are some of the things that we do behind the scenes. Then you've got the public rooms that everyone sees, which is the services we sell. And then you've got, you know, um, Placing people first, which is kind of like the interior design, and then you've got meaningful work, which is the outside. Yeah, cool. So can we talk about it like that. But placing people first is how we connect people to meaningful work. Because if we always, if we look at everything we do internally, externally, if we do it with a view of what's best for people, and I'll give you an example. You know, a lot of recruitment companies can sometimes get into trouble reputationally because it, they can have a little bit of a. Um, there's a bit of a perception that they'll just place people to make money. That's all they're, you know, that's all they're doing is they want to make money, and they're not concerned about whether it's the right person in the long term. So, um, if we ever have any slight tension in the business around what who's the right person to work on a role, for example, um, because it might be a, a role that could sit between two different teams in terms of specialization, we always start with what is the best outcome for the client and the candidate, not. Internally, not who deserves it, not it's like who is actually going to do the best job of connecting candidates to this organization in a way that's meaningful for both of them. And if you take everything with that lens of placing the people first, the answer almost always becomes obvious. And it actually helps to solve a whole heap of problems. The challenge is in making sure you do that because it's you know easy to forget, or it's easy when you're busy, or it's easy to kind of ride on an emotion rather than the pragmatic. On actually what's the best way to go about this.
1: And I love the way you've you've um, captured that as a how because I immediately start thinking of Simon Sinek's golden circle start with why and you can see you know why you exist is you're champions of meaningful work you want to connect individuals to organizations that enable them to have meaningful work. How you do that is by placing people first and what you happen to be is a recruitment agency. So it just makes complete sense, doesn't it? And and the decision lens is very, very clear. As you say, it's not always easy. But if you know you go to that to make your decisions, it makes it a lot easier than most companies whose decision lens is profit.
0: And it becomes easier as well over time because the more you do that, the more Um, you know the less people come to me saying we don't know what to do the more they come to me saying we've discussed it together and we think the best thing for the people involved is this are you comfortable with that yep great you know and actually then over time they don't even come to ask because it it
1: becomes cultural is the point so I want to dive more into meaningful work because it it's crazy isn't it it's um everyone talks about meaningful work and yet to discover that nobody had actually quantified what it meant was such a surprise to everybody but it presented you with an incredible opportunity to to understand what it meant
0: yeah we could not believe it when we started looking into after we you know uh, worked with you caroline and found this kind of nugget of that's actually why we exist so we thought fabulous we must look up the research and and there wasn't any you know not and there's been lots of bits and pieces yes but nothing Australia at all and nothing that actually unified the different definitions together so that's where we actually commissioned our own research into it and part of what led us to do that we found we did some uh, surveys of our own and we discovered that so this first statistic may not surprise you 98% of people agree that meaningful work is important now that's probably not a surprise because we all talk about it it gets bandied around a lot 71% of people felt that it was more important now than it was Five years ago, and that's backed up by some of the um, research that I had previously done around the idea of um, community and some of the previous social structures around potential church and, and local local communities. Not there in the same way, and so often work is replacing that, and um, and people are also having more personal identity through their work than through other avenues that they used to have, sort of sociologically. So that was less of a surprise as well. But the bit that was really scary. But only 57% of organizations give the meaning of their work any thought at all. And I, I might have this last stat wrong, but I think it's only 38% of them um, think about it specifically when it comes to the job design. So if it's so important to individuals, but organizationally less than half are taking it seriously, it's no wonder there's a gap. And there's no wonder that people are struggling to find meaningful work and connect with meaningful work. And that's what led us to build profiling tool so that we can actually help people measure it we're very soon going to be going to beta testing we we had all this ready to go pre-covid and then you know like everyone else everything got put on pause with COVID. but we're uh, we're ready to start um releasing and launching all of that soon so we're getting very excited
1: about it again now oh fantastic and i hope we're going to hear lots about it because that's huge
0: yeah i'm uh, I'm, i've uh, written a keynote we're actually we're doing the uh, the first one in a couple weeks time so um so we have a whole, yeah, we hopefully that um, as, as we get a bit of momentum and interest in this, we'll be talking to as many people as we can because the way we can connect people to meaningful work is to get more people to understand what it is and to start measuring it. So it goes
1: to that purpose piece. Brilliant. And you launched, um, was it last year or the year, the year before last, um, Australia's first and was it the world's first Australia, uh, meaningful work survey?
0: Yes, so we did we did the survey. We did an analysis of the previous research and we did our own survey. So it was released in December 19. And then as I say, not long after the world changed in sort of in February, March 2020. So um, it did get put on pause, but uh, it's all there if people are interested. We have the website, meaningfulwork.com.au. You can read the um, the findings of the survey and you can read the uh, research report that um, identifies how and what we're doing with building the profiling. Tool. And it, it's fascinating. The key thing for me was this idea that Nobody had looked at what's called the psychological and the sociological together, the integrated approach. So we, most of us would know or be familiar with the psychological. And when we think of meaningful work, that's what we often think of. That's things like, how well does my personal traits suit, my beliefs, my narratives, my goals? um, And also things like, how does that sit with the job design and the organisation, those areas? That's what we tend to think of. But the sociological aspect is, how much value do we assign to work based on the social and cultural norms that we've been raised in and that we currently live in. And that actually has a much bigger impact on our view of work than we perhaps realise. And if you think about how much um, higher we all hold teachers in esteem after having, having to homeschool our children for weeks and weeks on end, there's a great example of how value is assigned by society rather than by your individual connection. Right. So... Ours is the first ever research that has actually integrated both the sociological view and the
1: psychological view together. For the, indiv- for the individual, and then, and then how do you match it to the, to the organisation? So what, with the tool that we've done,
0: we've developed statements that measure the different aspects of meaningful work and, you know, you yourself kind of assess against those statements and you get your report. For the organisational view, what we did was... Take those statements at the individual level and adapt them for the ways in which an organisation can provide that meaning at work. And then assess them, well, in what ways does my work provide? What ways does my specific job, my specific organisation provide meaning? And so then as organisations start pulling this information together, they'll get a lens of not what they think at the board level is great about their culture or their leadership, but they'll actually get a lens of what does everybody who works here actually think about the ways in which we're providing meaningful work and then they can choose which levers they might want to strategically pull to try and improve that and win the war for talent especially as talent shortages get tougher over the next number of
1: years and that's game-changing isn't it because it shifts the conversation from you know telling candidates what what they think they want to hear to starting to really understand as an organisation what you're able to truly deliver so that you can attract the right people to develop that culture. But but it's a big shift.
0: Yes, and it's one that we're, uh, we're hoping to change the world with, Carolyn. Yes. It's a big shift and I don't think it's something that we're going to be able to do overnight um, because the easy thing to do is to – tell a dream to a candidate based on what you think the truth is, have them start and 18 months later have them leave because it didn't quite match up and what you thought they were and what they thought you were wasn't quite the same. But you never want to necessarily acknowledge that that was the issue. You want to say, oh, it was just they weren't actually great at this when we thought they would be or actually the leader left and there was a bit of a gap and you can always find one specific reason that's not your own fault as to why that didn't quite work out. And I'm not saying fault is a bad choice of words. The whole point of this really is that everybody's path to meaningful work is unique. And there are many different factors that influence it. And it's different things to different people. So that's okay. But what we're trying to do is at least allow people to understand what it is for them as an individual, Mm. organization level, how they provide it. So they've got a much better chance of getting it right. In the hiring process, yes, but also actually in the retention and the development process so that they keep people longer. And not yep. only do they keep them longer, they keep them engaged and they keep them performing at a higher level. And the impact organizationally that will have on performance will be significant. But it's the whole delayed gratification thing that we humans are not very good at. It's going to take time and effort to do that. So it's, it's... really those
1: organizations that are willing to go down that path that are going to win in the long term, but it's going to take a bit of work to get there it 's a long term strategy and and that's that 's what purpose is all about it 's looking at the long term rather than those short term returns but the other thing it um, it does i think i've been working with a risk consultancy and um, and one of the things they talk about is um, i know i know she said you know is is your pitch is, is how you 're pitching your organization true because if it 's not, if you're recruiting people on an untruth, you're actually bringing someone in who can become a risk to the organisation. So it's not just the plus side of performance, but you bring the wrong kind of person in who doesn't fit with your culture, and they can actually create risk to the organisation. So it's, um, I, I think what you're doing is absolutely, you're talking about changing the world. And the last time I saw engagement stats I think were maybe 2019 Gallup and it said something like 86% of Australia and New Zealand employees were disengaged. Is that, is that
0: right? That's yeah, it, nuts. It, it, is, it is crazy and the one that I, um, the one that I, the stat that I like is there was a Harvard Business Review report recently that said that more than nine in ten, more than nine out of ten employees would be willing to sacrifice percentage of their lifetime earnings in exchange for meaningful work people are crying now
1: whoa and do you think that's what what do you think is the impact of the pandemic on this
0: well I think the thing that we expect over time to see and it's interesting because we haven't we, we haven't launched this enough yet to really get a sense of where this will go over time but we're expecting that we know that the research shows that meaningful work changes for people over time if you think let me let me put this to you Karen if you think about your first ever job that you did your first ever job what was it and when was it meaningful for you at the
1: time Uh my first ever job out of school out of school was selling paintings door to door (laughs) Was it meaningful? In Perth. I wouldn't wouldn't call it um, a proper job, but uh, look, it it was meaningful in that it connected me to people like me, travellers, you know, we had a huge fun time and and I learnt skills. So in that sense it was. Would it be meaningful to you now? No.
0: (laughs) No. Right, so so, so this is what we expect the impact to come back to your question what we expect the impact of covid to be is that it will change people's reference of what is meaningful i suspect you know and and people think when they think meaningful work they think it has to be all about purpose that's one aspect of meaningful work yes but so is how much money you earn so is job security so is complexity of work you know there's lots of different factors that go into meaningful work and so what I would expect if we had done a big survey in the middle of COVID is that there would be um, a skew. So when we did the research at the end of 2019, the highest factor, the most popular factor, and it doesn't mean it's the only one or the right one, but the most popular factor was having the trust of your managers. Yeah. Um, surprised. People think it will be culture, or They'll think it will be purpose. But having the trust of your managers was number one. What I expect we would have seen if we had done the survey mid-COVID would be that job security and pay might well have come much higher up the ranking than they did in 2019 when everybody was not so concerned about those aspects. So that's where time but also social, cultural things can impact your view on what meaningful work is.
1: Yeah, and at different stages of your life, like when you when you have children. Yeah. that That completely changes what meaningful work means to you at that time of your life as well, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, very much so. And what's funny as well about that is, and this is where it, 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 building the psychological and the sociological perspective together is really interesting because for a lot of people, it does completely change their view of meaningful work. But for some people, they, and this happened to me, they think it will because society tells them it will. And then they come to it and go, this is really dull. I really hate <laughs> My mother, I was an awful. <laughs> I was gonna be this whole mother. I had all these visions of what I was gonna do. I was a shocking stay-at-home mother. <laughs> I think I lasted about four months, Karen, because it didn't suit my psychological side of things. So, you know, so this is where those two in, in
1: integration is actually what you need to do to create that meaningful work. And there's no one standard, is there? No. And yet, And yet we talk as if there is. I know. You
0: know.
1: And I think that, you know, we all fall into the trap that we do with everything
0: with human beings, where we fall into the trap of, of thinking that what I think is meaningful work must be the same for you. And therefore, if you, don't, if you don't appreciate this fabulous job I've got for you, but it's a fabulous job because I love it, but you don't love it, then, then there's something wrong with you, rather yeah. than, hang on a second, have I actually thought about whether it's the right connection? And that comes right back to our purpose of connecting people to meaningful work and it being okay that the idea that everyone's
1: path to meaningful work is unique. And so how has, how has this, this purpose, you know, um, wanting to connect people to Meaningful Work, how has it shaped or changed the way you do business with your candidates and with organisations?
0: So um, it's, there's a couple of ways it's shaped it through COVID. It was really helpful to us um, as a purpose for COVID because if our purpose is to connect individuals to organisations that create meaningful work, and there's not a whole lot of work going on. I mean, we literally saw our jobs fall off a cliff on yeah. that March the 15th, I think it was. It was just, you know, everything got put on hold, nothing new came through, um, pipeline dried up. And so we kind of went, well, what can we do? You know, and it was great having that example of what Nicky did in the GFC, because we knew that we'd been through something tough before and we knew if we did the right thing and if we placed people first, then we could get through it. So we said to ourselves, well, if we're about connecting people to meaningful work, how can we do that? What can we do if we haven't actually got jobs where we can physically connect people to meaningful work? And we built a whole series of webinars. You know, we used to run events here in, in, in Beaumont in the offices. Um, we started doing weekly webinars on any and every topic that related to meaningful work. On, um, and we also did a whole heap of stuff for our candidates. We started running for Ask Me Anything, Ask Me Anything Lives for candidates to increase their chances as people had been potentially made redundant or were losing their jobs. What could we do to help those people increase their chances of connecting to meaningful work? We started working groups where we brought people together virtually Um, all of our clients from from within industry sectors. So we have like a HR education working group, or we'd have all the HR managers from the different education institutions we work with. We had a fundraising managers networking group for the fundraising people in charities. We had an association and memberships working group. We had loads of them, right? And the whole purpose was just to get people talking to each other about work and what was happening and what were they doing and how could they keep going? How could they keep their work being meaningful given that for the most part, A lot of it had been shifted to job security and engagement and keeping things going. So we kind of viewed that as our way. We didn't chase anyone for a job. You know, we didn't try and bring in business unless people called us. Nothing more annoying than a recruiter knocking on your door going, have you got a job for us when you've got no jobs on? and Nothing more guaranteed to make sure people will never come back to you. So it became about how can we add value to our community and how can we stay connected with them and how can we help them keep meaning as they go through this because that's um. how we all find meaning because that will mean that we're meeting our purpose that turned out again and a bit like the gfc it wasn't there was it wasn't a deeply held strategic it was literally we've been talking about doing webinars i think you even know this for like two three years and oh we'll, you know we'll record the first one so and literally when on the tuesday okay we're doing one tomorrow just see if it works. Um, <laughs> and over the course of the year, you know, our webinars grew from 70, 80. By the end, we were having three, 400 people, people from Malaysia, from Hong Kong, all sorts of people dialing in for our webinars. And it built that community. And um, it, it out of that was born our consulting division. So we'd always done some career coaching. We'd always done, you know, but it's been a bit hoc before. We actually now have a full consulting division that does Career coaching does professional development. Um, oh, and it, fantastic! You know, so that's come out of that, and that's that's really helping that meaningful work piece as well. And that's been born out of COVID. You know, it, it, again, mm. it was it had been in the strategy for years, but we've not done anything about it. So sometimes, you know, you can you can make good from a good crisis, can't you? Absolutely. So, um, and it and it kept everybody going. And the minute the market picked up, people came back to us in their droves. We are. We have
1: lots of work at the moment,
0: so it's a nice, it's a nice problem to have.
1: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And it sounds like it, uh, because a lot of people came out and started doing webinars, but there was a lot of stuff out there, but it sounds like yours had a purpose, like Meaningful Work was a North Star that guided you in a yeah, sense. Yeah, and we,
0: we would get a lot of feedback on our webinars. People, We, we, we put a lot of effort into making sure they were interactive, um, we watched a lot of other people's and tried to learn what we did like and and didn't like and um, we very specifically made sure they weren't salesy at any point at all the whole goal was just adding value and with that north star of meaningful work um, and I think that's what what drove it you know we we just yeah as I say the numbers just kept growing and growing and growing so um, yeah something that worked really well and we went we we did it very early so I think we I think we beat you know beat the beat the rush as it were so it, literally i think our first one was on the 20th of march or something like that and then wow
1: that was quick okay. out of the
0: blocks don't don't quote me on the date but it was very early it felt very early. yeah
1: yeah yeah and um and so how do people first of all when are you going to launch the profiling tool do you think
0: Hopefully within the next month, I would say. Woo, really? So we're very close. So we well, actually not launch it publicly for beta testing. So we're at the point where um, we are about three or four weeks away from inviting um, specific clients to try the beta testing. The individual side is all but ready to go. The organisational side, um, tool is ready to go. It's just, I don't know if you've ever done tech development. Tech development is not my thing. <laughs> has, and How you look into group reporting and that's just taking a bit more tweaking than we anticipated, but um, we want to be able to do that soon. The What we're really, really excited about is that the individual profile, and this goes to our kind of, if you're going to be true to your purpose, the individual profile, we will, we're going to release um, as a, you know, crowdsource, anyone can access it anytime completely free of charge because we want people to be able to find out what meaningful work is for them. And we don't want cost to be a barrier to that. So, um, So we're excited about that. Um, and, yeah, and then the organisation side and also if, if people want consulting around or they want to talk it through with somebody, all of that stuff will put a bit more rigour around in terms of commercialising it. But the actual tool itself at the individual level, we're giving to anyone and everyone to. Uh, to use. Brilliant. This is one of the other things that slowed it down because
1: of that, because it could go anywhere in
0: the world. You have to make sure it's
1: gdpr and all the there's a lot of course and what about like cultural sensitivities
0: well so we do um you know we do we just got a question in there around whether english is your first language just so that we at least can take that into consideration but yeah the the the, one of the factors being the sociological factor will actually help to measure that and it'll be interesting to see over time then if there is differences in different countries for example around how they view
1: meaningful work yeah absolutely our, it's, goal, our goal is just australia to start with it's just to begin with world domination later <laughs> right <laughs> but but this is what this is what being purposeful is about right it's it's leadership it's how you will change the world how you will create positive impact in the world and knowing that that's why you're in business and that's what drives you how, do, how does it change anything for you? I mean you were already loving Beaumont people and you know invested in it. Did it change anything for you? Well I I know a bit too much about meaningful work now because I could almost tell you to
0: the exact factor of the things that it changes for me Carolyn. Um, So um, here's the thing for me. So for me one of the things that's interesting about meaningful work uh, on an individual level is that I like challenge and I like to learn and develop. So Um, You know, I've been doing this role for six years and I love the company, I love the organization, I love the people. Um, I was probably getting to a point where I could do the role without having to use too much of my brain power in the same way because, you know, um, certain things come up when you've been in recruitment for 25 years, certain things come up over and over again. Um, and, And not that I was unhappy by any stretch, but what I've loved about this on an individual, personal level is it's given me whole new area to learn and develop in and a whole new area to get excited about uh, that also helps me with my goal which is to you know to help the team create more opportunities for meaningful work and to help them with their own journey on meaningful work so we we've put things in place off the back of this like um, we've created a really structured career pathway which we never used to have in Beaumont people we're not a hierarchical organization as I'm sure you know at all you know we're not um, into kind of that the bureaucracy that goes with hierarchy or the power that goes with hierarchy, that's not our thing at all. So, and that's worked for us for a long time, but we have people that have been with us 10, 15 you know, plus years um, because we have, we're lucky we have really low staff turnover, but there comes a point sort of where they were gonna feel like I was feeling little but just great. Don't want to leave because we love the company, but what now on an individual level? So we've created these career pathways um, that have been able to tap into some of those different aspects of meaningful work. So it's almost like a pick your own adventure people. Fantastic. So, you know, so that's had an impact. So there's these kind of things that I've been working on that have helped um, reinvigorate me and also reinvigorate the team and reinvigorate kind of where we're
1: going as an organisation. And meaningful work has a ripple effect, doesn't it? Because if you have one person who feels the fulfilment and personal satisfaction of being in meaningful work in an organisation. The ripple effect is to their colleagues and the organisation they work in, but it's also to their significant others, you know, their their partner or, or their family, their neighbours, the wider community, because it, 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 it's just human. If you're happy, if you're fulfilled, you're a different person than if you're not. So it's a massive ripple effect that affects everybody in the orbit isn't it
0: yeah and it's the vast majority of that effect is positive but i'm going to call out that sometimes it's not because sometimes what it can do is serve to kind of create more of a disconnect between the person that's not feeling that way and you know can actually actually make them kind of go but why don't i have that What, what am i doing wrong and if they if they haven't um, had the time or the support or the um, kind of education around these different factors to understand what they can do to help themselves, then, then actually that can become a little bit demoralising.
1: Mm. So,
0: so there's a responsibility that comes with that ripple effect um, that's very important. And, and for the vast majority of the time, it is positive, and that's fabulous. But we need to bear that in mind that there is the potential for it to have a negative effect effect and how we make sure that we can try and, um, you know, if we're all enthusiasm without support behind it to help people take the steps they need, yes, then it can feel a bit like they're being excluded. And that's a dangerous path to create. So that's a responsibility that we take seriously as well.
1: That's a great point. And yeah, with, with any new change that you're creating responsibility comes with it. And um, and yeah, so that, I guess that's going to be a journey in and of itself as to how you do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of the reasons we've, we've put a lot of work into the Ask Me anything for candidates to, because there's a lot of people that um, will apply to us for work that we can't help. You know, either we don't, we don't recruit in their sectors or we don't have the roles that they're looking for at that particular point in time. And the last thing we want to do is just say to those people, we can't help you. Yeah. and create that disconnect because it's not true to our purpose There's still people we still want to place them first we still want to help them find meaningful work but we can also only do so much you know so this, this it's a there is a tension there that we need to mm. to get right so what we say to people and the, what the way we train the team is um to try and have conversations to try and make sure that every conversation we have with everybody is along the lines of the way I would like to work with you is that the help and advice I'm going to give you will help you in your goal of securing whatever job it is or, you know, improving your career, whatever it might be that you've come to us for. That means that sometimes I might say things you may, you may not want to hear. And I need to know whether you're okay with that before we have that conversation, because otherwise you're not going to feel good about it. But my intent is to help you. So, can we have a conversation on that basis? And almost everybody says yes at that point. And that's when you can then say, look, we're not the right people to help you because of X, Y, and Z. Try this organization, try that, do this, work on your CV, whatever it might be, go away, hire a career coach, whatever it might be you need to do first and either come back to us or go to these other avenues that may be able to help you if we're never going to be in a position to help you. And that's far more powerful than just saying, sorry, we can't
1: help you. Absolutely, giving a pathway. Yeah, we try and take that side of things. Yeah, it's that, that's why I love you guys because you. I mean, you you are you are focused on that, and you're really looking at the best, um, you know, the best outcomes for both your candidates and the organisations, um, and your people, your people, people. Tell us about your people. What is what is it about your people that makes them Beaumont people? People.
0: <laughs> uh, we have a whole section in our induction pack called What's a Beaumont Person? Um, that's a series of quotes put together by the team, not anything we wrote. And it's actually, I mean, it's its its almost awkward when people first start carrying on. I find myself sometimes saying, that we're not a cult. I promise you, we're not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> we're genuinely just decent, kind of people. That's, it, you know, I know it's not normal to be this excited and this happy at work. <laughs> enthusiastic, and bear with us. You will realise it's just lovely. There's nothing weird about it. So sometimes kind of... Um, you know, for people that are naturally that, that way, that can be a little bit um, confronting at first, but it is lovely. We're, we are, so i tell you what we are, and this is why I love your concept of for love and money, because we're kind and we're caring and we're compassionate and we are about the people, but we are also target-driven, achieving, hardworking people that meet their objectives, and we have a really, really good balance of that, and it's a very hard balance to get right, And it's what I talk about internally with, you know, from a leadership perspective, it's the right tension between trust and accountability. So there's an awful lot of trust, but the reason there's so much trust is because there is so much accountability. Mm. Team hold each other to account, but they also, they hold each other to account um, from a performance perspective, but they also hold each other to account from a human being perspective. And we're not afraid to call each other out on any of those aspects. We're not afraid on to have difficult conversations we actually train people and one of our training is how to have difficult conversations yeah our training program covers about 30 recruitment specific topics but it also has 17 we call working effectively topics so we train on things like resilience and growth mindset and we train on how to have difficult conversations we train on dealing with rejection we train on taking and giving feedback so we, we want that environment so i think that's that's the trick is is that we are you know, for everything you've just heard us talk about, you could think that we're we're these lovely, fluffy, deeply caring people, and we are, but we're also very high performing in what we do, and we take that side as seriously as the as the kindness.
1: And and part of that is because you're ambitious, you know, because you want to create the change in the world and you know that we all know that in order to do that, you have to be successful. You have to be profitable. You have to be able to, you know, attract good people, pay good salaries, compensation packages, and the two go hand in hand.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's the irony of our values. If you look at our five values, um, you know, two of them are kind of on that performance perspective. Two of them are on, on the kind of human being perspective and the other one is just us. So you've got, you've got ambition and excellence, which go to that performance piece. You've got collaboration and integrity, which goes, yep. through, and then you've got fun because we just believe that you
1: should. In the pay. middle, Obviously, yeah. <laughs> that is such good balance, and and it it, it really reinforces that point. I mean, I, you know, the idea that business should just be there to create profit, it it. It just raises a question mark on that.
0: The way I describe it internally, and we actually have this um, through our performance reviews and we have it through the training, the way I describe it is that the the financial outcome is important, yes, but it is the outcome. It's not why we do what we do. It's the result of what we do. And we need a certain amount of it to keep going. We need a certain amount more if we want to be able to do things like invest in research into meaningful work or or be able to run charity recruitment at a cost, Uh, for the, you know, for the charity clients um, and the strategy and all the plans we have for the future, and that's great, and we're quite comfortable with the fact that it's okay to make that money, but it's not okay for that to be why we do what we do, and if it ever becomes why we do what we do, then we need to scale right
1: back and start again. Yeah, yeah. Um, But you also can't change the world unless you're profitable.
0: No, and you you can't improve your impact if you don't have the funds to do so.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I, I, I think it's so important and it, it, is, it, will fundam- it will fundamentally change how people turn up to work. You know, if you can manage to do this at scale and you're starting with a beta test and that's brilliant, but I'm just so excited to see how it rolls out because I feel like it could just catch like fire and i hope it does
0: i hope so too i'm slightly nervous that it's either going to get too big too quickly <laughs> or i'm not worried about it not at all because it's it's been so powerful even if even if it never took off what we've learned through the process has had such an impact on our business that it's it's been worth its weight in in investment for that reason alone but i hope it does i hope it does catch quickly i hope it catches at a pace that we can keep up with it um because that's always my concern sometimes um, you know, if you, you to to keep that connection to meaningful work, you need to make sure that you're not cutting corners or going so fast that you're, you know, that you don't do things well. And uh, we, you know, Carolyn, we do run at a million miles in this organisation. Yep. We do sometimes bite off more than we can choose. So uh, we need to make sure that we are pacing ourselves to get that right. But yes, I'm. We're very, very excited about it. I've got three speeches lined up for the topic um, already fantastic Um, so that's exciting so all within all within the back end of may so we'll see where we get to with it and what sparks from that but yeah getting very excited about it now
1: brilliant i don't think you'll have any worries about it not catching it's (laughs) it's it's an idea whose time has come very clearly and with you guys leading the way i think we're in good hands um so some final questions first of all um What is your advice to other leaders in business who might be listening to this podcast and thinking about how they might make that shift from profit-led to higher purpose, but struggling with, you know, the idea of all the barriers that are going to be in their way, what, what advice do you have for them?
0: Um. So the first piece of advice is for the listed companies, because if you're listed, I think it is a very difficult thing to do. I I, I don't, I, I have worked in listed companies. I don't, know, I don't know how you get away from being profit led if you're listed. Um, so I'm not going to go there other than to say, if you're genuinely trying that as a listed company, you need to bear that profit cycle in mind and think about how you get around that. For everybody else that has a bit more freedom um, in terms of being able to um, take their time with some of the investment decisions they made, they make i think the biggest mistake we see people um, making this is that either it's a saying on the wall a picture on the wall a nice to have line that actually doesn't ring true or it only rings true at a certain level it doesn't ring true through the entire organization and i think one of the best things we did and carolyn you know i can't thank you enough for the work you did with us was and you know because it was there was some wrangling that went into this we involved everybody in the organization in pulling our purpose together and it was Pretty full on at times,
1: right?
0: Everyone. And there were lots of opinions and uh, you know, because of our lack of hierarchy, we're fairly democratic and um, we're very um, open in our communication style. So there were some fairly robust discussions in China to pull it all together. But that meant that when we landed on something that we were comfortable with, everybody bought into it. And also it meant that what we landed on was what was actually already true in the organization. It wasn't that we came up with an idea over here at the leadership level that we then wanted to convince other people of or work towards or, you know, shift or kind of be a cultural journey, it was actually what we were already doing. What was brilliant about what you did with us was the simplicity of the fact that you helped us articulate what was already there. So I think the first thing for leaders to think about is to understand whether they actually have something there already. Because If it's a journey, that's a very different piece of work to if you're actually something to start with. And, And both are fine, but you need to know which one you're dealing with to know what steps to take to get there and then the second thing is i mean it's back to this piece i was talking about it's 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 not hard in terms of technically mentally difficult but it's not easy in that it takes time and it takes consistency and it takes messaging and it takes as someone said to me the other day and i love this they like you have to say something so much that you're so sick of hearing yourself saying it and it's only at that point that someone else is going to go oh i get it now you know that's so, it it's the consistency of, like, I, I, we have a weekly Monday morning all-staff meeting, and I finish that meeting, and I have done since we did our workshops with you. What's, was it three years ago now, Karen? I can't remember.
1: Going what. on,
0: going on, I think. I finish every single one of those Monday morning meetings with, don't forget, we're here to connect people to meaningful work. Go out and make as many connections to meaningful work this week as you possibly can. And I Love finish it. every single meeting with that um, every week. So it's that kind of consistency of message that I think really helps drive it home if it's something that's on a document or in a performance
1: review once a year it's meaningless it's a commitment isn't it yeah you know you can get all excited up front but at the end of the day it's a commitment if you are going to create change you've got to commit to it with everything that you do
0: the other thing i'm going to be honest about this as well is you're going to find as the leader as the person leading the charge there will be times when you're a bit over it too right and that's okay because we're all human and none of us are perfect and i can tell you in the middle of covid we put all of this on hold you know, we were at the point of how do we keep the business going for a little while there. And, you know, when we re-picked up the, the, the tool and talk, talking about meaningful work, developing an app is not in my wheelhouse of meaningful work, okay? It's just not my thing. And the detail of this, these and that, and, you know, we didn't have the money to outsource it to people that could do that. You know, we sorry had a really good outsource team that were building it, but the actual detail piece of reviewing and, you know, all of that stuff. So there was a lot of work I was doing at the back end of last year, where I was a little bit like, is it worth it? You know, do I really want to, do we really want the tool? And um, fortunately, and this is where you, your team, your team are just geniuses sometimes. You know, Sarah, our marketing manager, our head of marketing, mm-hmm. she has been off on maternity leave. Um, she came back at the back end of last year. And she was like, right, meaningful work. Where are we at with it? What's going <laughs> on? And she was, you know, she had a break for a year. She'd come back, she was all invigorated. And I was embarrassed about how pathetic I'd become about it. And <laughs> I'm just going to recall that out. This is the point about all of us in our jobs. We all have ups and downs, but actually when you reconnect to that purpose and you remind yourself what's important, and you can probably tell I'm really, really invigorated about it again now. You know, but it's okay. It's okay that we have these natural cycles. And, and COVID was a big year for everyone, right? So I think everyone was... Absolutely. Like Give yourself a break, Nina. <laughs> But that's, My point is for the leaders that are on this journey is, is don't beat yourself up if you're yep. not feeling 100% all the time, but go back to how can you get that feeling back.
1: Brilliant. Great advice. Thank you so much. Last question. Today, the year is 2021. Nine, uh, Nineteen 2030 is nine years away. And that's the target date for the United Nations Global Goals we are the generation who can do something about the future younger generations future generations won't have the chance that we have what's your message to your fellow human beings in the business world
0: my message is that the, the clue is in the title the sustainability piece of the development goals is what we need to hold on to we can't we know you know we know from what we see that we can't continue to consume and profit Without expecting there to be some kind of recourse if we're not thinking about the sustainability piece. So, um, those organizations that are just chasing profit for the sake of profit, your consumers, your consumption of energy in return for money. And that money then goes back into more consumption. And don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with making money. And I'm not, I'm not casting dispersions on people who want to do so by any stretch. Um, but we live in a finite world with finite resources. People's energy is finite, our planet is finite. If we don't start thinking about sustainability in our businesses, it, it, it's the one way in which we can contribute to changing the whole world. Now I'm going really big on everything, Carolyn. It's the one way we can contribute to doing our bit to actually reach those goals. And if we don't start in our own backyards and our own, you know, a lot of us make changes kind of at home, but are we doing it in our businesses? If we don't start there, then we are contributing to the problem, not solving
1: the problem. Well said, thank you. Thank you very much. Nina, thank you. It has been a joy chatting to you and and learning about some things along the way that I didn't know before. Um, If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: So um, our website, beaumontpeople.com.au, our About Us page has contact details, including mine on there, if anyone wants to speak to me personally, Um, obviously all the details about our business or if they're interested specifically in meaningful work, they can go to meaningfulwork.com.au
1: Brilliant and good luck with the beta launch and um, I look forward to hearing where you're speaking and um, seeing you create world domination around meaningful work I don't want world domination, I want world collaboration, Carolyn. World collaboration Brilliant (laughs) Thank you Nina, really appreciate you coming on
0: Thanks very much for having me Thanks for listening to this episode of the For Love and Money podcast. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into the purpose movement, visit us at thecauseeffect.com.au. And remember, doing good is good for business. So if you're not doing good, then what are you doing?